Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We are in the third week of a series called Our Father. Our Father. We're taking the Lord's Prayer We're breaking it down phrase by phrase. It is chock full of so much kingdom potential. In fact, we we gave out this prayer guide at the beginning of the year to kind of map out our journey for the month of January. And two weeks ago, we talked about authentic prayer. Last week, we talked about dependent prayer. This week, I want to talk to you about repentant prayer. Authentic, dependent, repentant. And you'll see this and, and the power Behind that. Before we get into Matthew 6, I want to, since we are in this series on the Lord's Prayer, I came across this week a different version of that. In fact, it's called, and I don't know what translation of the Bible that you use, but this is called the Hudat <laughs> version. Okay? Fixing to read to you the Hudat version of this prayer. It's goes a little something like this. Our saints who art a blessing, hallowed be thy game. Thy kickoff come, thy win be done. In the playoffs as it was in the regular season. Beat them this day by more than the spread. And forgive us our incomplete passes as we intercept those who pass against us. Mm-mm-mm-mm. My, my, my. How many already just feeling it right now? And lead us right into celebration and deliver us to the Super Bowl. For thine is the big dome. The power and the trophy forever in Breeze's name. And all of God's people said, mm, 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 mm. Wow, it's going to be a good day in church today, huh? Now, there may be some Los Angeles Rams fans among us. It was painful just to say that, you know? But anytime I read about a ram in the scriptures, it was either caught in the thicket or it was sacrificed on an altar. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, and the saints are always victorious. And all of God's people said, uh, <laughs> now let's get to business. Matthew 6. Oh, Jesus is instructing his disciples on how to pray. Yeah, some of you are like, can I, can I have a copy of that Who Dat version? 
We may post it somewhere. Who knows? It may be out there floating around. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he, he says, Our Father who art in heaven. Several weeks ago, we talked about the relationship that we have with God, that he wants us to refer to him as Father, which is a big deal. He says, Hallowed be thy name, centralizing the very focus and the power of the name of God. He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And last week we talked about kingdom and what it means to move forward, to to honor the word of the king and his kingdom. We finished by saying, give us this day our daily bread. Now let's pick up the remaining portion of this prayer in verse 12. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts. Somebody say debts. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Okay, if you're taking notes, write down the word forgiving. There's, there's three different movements to this last portion of the prayer, and I want to draw your attention, first of all, to forgiving. Jesus says, forgive us our debts. And when I thought about that again this week, it's interesting how the word debt is a financial term. You know, when you think in terms of dollars and cents, if you owe somebody something, you are in Debt. The Bible says that the, the borrower is a slave to the lender. And Jesus is using this financial term, and it made me think of, okay, what if, what is forgiveness? What if every debt that you owed today was canceled? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. What if your mortgage or your rent, bye-bye, bye-bye. What about your, your car payments? What if you could say goodbye to a student loan? Thank you, Jesus. Credit card debt. Come on, talk to me. How many of you might be happy if you learned that today all of your debts canceled? Anybody might get a little excited about that? Oh, yeah, we'd be really, really fired up. You know, wait a second. You mean what I owe? I no longer have to pay. You know, forgiveness in its simplest form is simply canceling the debt. Now think about it. I want to get right to it here. Forgiveness says, I forgive you. I release you. I expect nothing from you, not even an apology. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Now wait a second. Forgiveness Everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone to forgive. Are you with me? Can I have a better amen? Now, it's easy for us to think in terms of our debt being canceled. I get excited when I think, wait a second, I owe no man a single thing. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He canceled the debt. That's good news. Somebody say good news. When you don't owe a penny, when you don't owe any man anything, you are free. Can I have a better amen? You know, I've I've told this before, but I remember one time being in Walmart, and I love Walmart. I really do. I love it. In fact, my my dream job is to, this is where I see myself headed. I'm going to be a greeter at Walmart. I really am. I love people. I do. I love seeing people, meeting people, smiling at people. I'm going to put stickers on the, the hands of the little kids. Now, Rachel, her dream job is to be a checkout clerk because she likes to press buttons, and she loves to handle that money. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. So that's where we're going. And so, you know, I, I was at Walmart the other day, and how, fellas, how many of you, if you don't have a list, you're in trouble? 
many of you, even if you do have a list, you're in trouble? Yeah, it's, it's hard. I don't know where everything is. And even if I have a list, I'm coming home with chocolate milk, whether it's on the list or not. I mean, chocolate milk doesn't attitude good. And so I, I remember kind of going all throughout the store, having to call Rachel a half a dozen times. I got her on FaceTime. I'm showing her the shelf. You know, it's right there. Like, oh, I never saw it. You know, so it takes me forever. And then I get to see all of you precious people. I love it. I love seeing you at Walmart. I love it. Now, it takes me three hours to get three things, but I love it. And so I got all my items, and then all the checkout lines were full, so it forced me to go to self-checkout. Oh, I'm thinking, man, it was killer just finding everything that I need. It's such work, and now you're going to make me check this stuff out myself? Where's this ISBN label? Where's this? God forbid you have fruit and you got to weigh it. Come on, somebody. So I'm needing all kinds of help, and I finally, I, I get my stuff together. I put it all in the bag. I put it in the buggy. I'm headed out the door, and the lady says, excuse me, sir, can I see your receipt? I was like, well, sure. And I'm checking bags. I'm like, oh, I, I don't have a receipt. She said, exactly, because you didn't pay for these groceries. <laughs> I had, it, I was so distracted, and I literally, I had scanned everything. I bagged everything. I loaded it up and was walking out the door. And I can just see, you know, 10 o'clock news, Healing Place Church pastor shoplifting at Prairieville Walmart. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I just felt like a criminal, you know, oh, arrest me, take me away, Rachel, I love you. <laughs> I, I forgot to pay for it. She was looking for a receipt because the receipt was confirmation that the price had been paid. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he gave us a receipt. And that receipt said, paid in full. What was paid in full? Listen, you and I owed a debt. We created a sin debt that we couldn't pay. Some of us didn't even know that we owed it, and yet Jesus died on the cross, and he wrote it in blood, paid in full. In fact, when he hung on the cross, interesting words that he says. He says, it is finished. What's finished? The debt that we had created, Jesus said, I took care of it. The Greek word paid in full means is tetelestai. He says from the cross, tetelestai, which is announcing to the world, and this is good news to us, our debt has been canceled. You owe no man anything. You owe Jesus everything. Now, here's the good news. Our debt has been canceled. Here's the challenge. Are you keeping record of somebody else's debt? Ooh, it's getting quiet in here today. Now, we all celebrate when our debt is canceled, but what happens when we're required to forgive in equal manner that we have received forgiveness? Notice what the Scripture says here. Jesus, and I think these words are so intentional. He says, and forgive us our debts as... Two little letters, one small word, as. It means to the same degree that we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, let me ask you this question. How do you want God to forgive you? How do you want him to forgive you? How many of you want God to forgive you quickly? Only three people. <laughs> you want God to hold on to some of that stuff? Now, listen, maybe you're holding on to it, but God's saying, I don't remember it anymore. You want God to forgive you quickly. How many of you want him to forgive you completely? 
Well, if we want God to forgive us quickly and completely, we want him to remove our sins from us, to take it and throw it into his sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore, never to be held to our account. But when God looks at us, he sees this receipt written in red, the blood of Jesus saying, paid in full. If we want to be forgiven quickly and completely, then we must forgive others quickly and completely. Are you with me? Forgive us our debts to the same degree that we forgive someone else. You see, unforgiveness, a lot of times, it's trying to collect a debt. Hear me. If you've been mistreated, if there's been injustice, maybe things that you've been lied about, something was handled wrong. Unforgiveness is trying to collect a debt that a lot of times they don't even know they owe. Or if they know they owe it, they could never pay it. When you hold on to unforgiveness, you're saying, you owe me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't owe me a thing. You see, forgiveness is releasing somebody and it's saying, you don't owe me anything. Come on now, nod your head if you're with me. I want to tell you, you know how to ruin relationships? Keep records. Record keeping ruins relationships. Some of you have had at one time significant relationships, meaningful relationships, but they are no longer because the only thing you remember is the record of their wrong. I'm so glad God doesn't remember our record. I'm so glad as far as the east is from the west. Lord, quickly and completely, you have forgiven me. Listen, we got to get good at forgiving each other. You say, Mike, why is this so important? Obviously, this is important enough for Jesus to teach his disciples the, the, the power of forgiveness, not only on the receiving end, but the necessity on the giving of it. You know why we got to get good at this? Because relationships are messy. Come on, can I have a better amen? If you don't want to get hurt, for God's sake, don't get married. (laughs) And all the married folks said, yes, if you don't want to get hurt, don't get married. And please, don't you dare have any kids. You see, relationships are messy, and sometimes they're disappointing. You know, Rachel and I had a little, well... (laughs) I won't call it a fight. I'll call it intense fellowship. How many married couples know what I'm talking about? Had some intense fellowship the other way, the other day. And and I know that it's interesting to me how, how, and I know how these conversations play out. You know, eventually somebody's got to break down and say, I'm sorry. You know, I, I knew when I got married that I married Mrs. Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you better forgive. How are you going to have a healthy marriage? You better learn to say, I'm sorry. You know, I've told her 10,000 times, baby, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I've told her 10 million times, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I'm sorry, it's my fault, I'm sorry. You know, same thing. If you're going to have quality friendships, you're going to have to get good, not just at receiving forgiveness, but giving forgiveness. 
my mom used to sing a song to us, and it came right out of the scriptures, Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. And to this day, when I read the scripture, I think about this song, because I would fight with my sisters, and we were fighting and fussing and fighting and fussing, and mama would sing Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Mama, I hated that song. She'd always sing it at the wrong time. But notice what Paul says. Just as Christ has forgiven you, you got to be kind, tenderhearted, and compassionate. Are you with me? Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debt to us. Now, now there's a difference between judicial forgiveness and relational forgiveness. Jesus is not saying that every time you sin, you need to ask God to save you. You don't get saved again and again. You don't lose your salvation with every sin. The Bible says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. Can I have a better amen? I'm not talking about that. There's a relational aspect of this. When we, when we fall out of fellowship with the Lord, I'm not saying we lose our position in Christ, but we ask for forgiveness and we can be guaranteed that he gives it to us. Now, if, that is, if that's prevalent in our life, we have to offer that to others. You see, John MacArthur said this. He said, to receive pardon from the perfect holy God and then to refuse to pardon others when we are sinful people, it's the epitome of the abuse of mercy. Man, just as we have received forgiveness, we give forgiveness. Now, I, I know that it's difficult. When I talk about this, I can feel the tension in the room. Because some of you have been abused. I mean, you have been taken advantage of. And I'm not trying to minimize your pain. But please know, forgiveness is not saying that what they did to you was okay. Forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook and make you be a doormat and potentially, you know, vulnerable to the same actions. Forgiveness is not automatic trust. Are you with me? This stuff is hard stuff. I'm telling you, forgiveness is either totally impossible or it's totally supernatural. Your flesh does not want to forgive. Your flesh will remind you of everything they did to you. But when you hold on to your hurt, you will hold on to the pain of your past and never be able to move from it. But when you make a decision, and it's only the help of the Holy Spirit, when you make a decision to release somebody, then you set yourself free. And notice, you know, holding on to what they did, sometimes we think we're going to punish them. Let me just say this. Some of you, well, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are doing the time for somebody else's crime. They did it to you. They committed the crime, yet because of the bitterness, the resentment, and the unforgiveness, now you are held hostage. Nod your head if you're with me. See, forgiveness is all about setting the prisoner free, only to realize the prisoner was you. Unforgiveness is like brick by brick. I'm going to build a wall, and you're never going to hurt me again. You're never going to take advantage of me again. And so in our mind, we've constructed this brick wall. We've surrounded ourselves with a wall, and now we are held captive to our own pain. You see, forgiveness is the power to set somebody free. And Jesus said, in me, as you have received forgiveness, now you can give forgiveness. Are you with me today? 
Uh, let, me, let me read this one other verse too. I think this is important. Many of us, we know 1 Peter 2.24 that says, by his stripes we are healed. But if you back up one verse before that, listen to what the, the Bible says. Jesus, consider Jesus. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. But what did he do? Instead, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. You may not get a fair trial here on earth, but I'm telling you, you will be held in the hand of a sovereign, fair God, and he will exact justice. Whatever revenge you feel like you're owed, let God take care of that. Can I have a better amen? Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Look at what he says here. And lead us not into temptation. Somebody say, lead us. He says, forgive us. That's all about forgiving. Lead us is all about following. Write down the word following somewhere. Following. This is important. Jesus is saying, if you follow me close enough, I won't lead you in a pit. Temptation. How many know temptation is for real? I don't care whether you're black or white, rich or poor, educated, uneducated, you know, whether you're an Eskimo or whether you're a, a, a Cajun or whether you're just straight up heathen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> temptation is real, and all of us experience temptation. Jesus said when you pray, there's a power in forgiving, but there's also a safety in following. When we follow Jesus, we can avoid the pitfalls of temptation. Now, three quick facts about temptation. The first is this. The devil has been doing this for a long, 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 long time. He's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. When it comes to the tricks of the trade, he's been doing this a lot longer than you and I have been around. Now, he doesn't have any new tricks. It's all the old, it's the same old stuff. But we fall into those pits time and time again, do we not? I mean, and, and this is where, you know, sometimes, uh, and many of you, whether you've come out of it or you know somebody's still struggling with it, uh, where addiction comes in. Addiction is, is it's totally irrational, but, you know, and we, we know the things that we do that hurt us, but yet sometimes we can't break free from it. I heard a statistic this past week. Uh, and I forget where I heard it from, but they're, they're guessing, they're projecting that this year in 2019, more people will die from opioid addiction than from car wrecks. That's powerful. Think about what I just said. You, know, you, you think about the culture that we live in. You think about what's out there and the pitfalls that the enemy creates. He's been doing this for a long, long time. Time. When you think you're above temptation, uh oh, watch out, watch out. Take heed, be careful. You're about to fall in a pit. Some of you that are here today feel like, man, I got this. If you think you got it, I, I, I pray for you. The Bible says pride leads to destruction and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. You're about to fall into something when you think, no, I'm beyond that. The devil's been doing this for a long time, but I want you to see this temptation. The second thing, temptation is customized for our weakness. You see, the devil never attacks strength. You know what he attacks? Weakness. And if you don't know the areas that you're vulnerable in, he's not coming at strength. He's coming at the kryptonite. He's coming at, at your blind spot. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. 
And there's like these two guys that went on a business trip. They're going out of town. They're staying in a hotel, and they got three days out of town. They're away. And so, you know, after dinner, they, they went into the store, and one of the guys is just breaking out in a sweat. He's just sweating profusely, and he's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And his friend's like, why? He's like, because I want to steal everything I see. I, I just want to take it. I want to put it in my pockets, and I want He's like, whoa, that's weird. I've never once walked into a place and been tempted to steal. But you know what? Stealing was not his issue. It was the other guy's issue. See, temptation is customized for your weakness. Well, afterwards, they get back to the hotel, and the guy who was tempted to steal everything, he went straight to bed, lights out. Other guy sitting up watching TV, flipping through channels, things coming on late at night. Can I tell you something about pornography? Check out this statistic. This will blow you away. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. And it makes more money than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. Isn't that crazy? I'm telling you. And now with iPhones, we have technology in the palm of our hand. Do you know how accessible porn is today? Crazy. Wait a second. That guy wasn't tempted to steal, but he's tempted to look at things on TV. The other guy could care less about what's on TV. But he's tempted to steal. Do you see how the devil will customize temptation for your weakness? But I want you to know this. The third thing about temptation, temptation is a liar. Temptation will make promises that it can never keep. Temptation will promise you freedom, but it will make you a slave. Come on. Can I have a better amen? Temptation will promise you happiness, but it'll rip joy from your life. Temptation will promise you pleasure, but it only creates pain. Jesus said, when you follow me, I will help you avoid the pitfall that's in front of you. You see, sin is pleasurable. Sin is appealing. But when we pray, we pull the curtain back and we can see sin for what it really is. You know, the, 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 the power of temptation, the pitfalls that are around us, sometimes it's not about strength, it's about being smart. It's not about saying, you know what, I'm stronger than that temptation. I'm just going to stand up to it. No, you might need to run from it. I mean, remember the story of Joseph? Remember this young Hebrew boy? He's serving in Potiphar's house, and here comes Potiphar's wife. Don't even know her name, but we'll call her Miss Potty. Miss Potty thought Joseph was a hottie. Hey, hunk of hunk of burning love. How you doing? What did Joseph do? Well, well wait, wait a second. No, 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 no. I, I, I can't stay here. The Bible says Joseph ran. He ran for his life. Didn't have time to grab his coat or nothing, Jesus. Come on, somebody. You see, it's not about standing up to it. Sometimes it's about avoiding it. You see, when you're praying, God will reveal to you. Listen to this scripture. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul said, no temptation. Somebody say, no temptation. There's not a single temptation that has overtaken you that's not common to man. Listen to me. Sometimes we think that what we're going through is totally unique, that nobody has ever gone through it, and nobody will understand it. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. It's very common. There's nothing new under the sun. That thing that's coming against you, it's been around for a while. So don't, your, your case is not different than anybody else's. The scripture says, but God is faithful. Come on, somebody. God, now, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, 
but will with every temptation provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. How are you going to know the way of escape? Lord Jesus, Lord, prayer will show you the way out. I want you to know that this year, in 2019, there's not a single temptation that you can't beat with the help of the Holy Ghost. For some of us, maybe it's deleting some things off of our phone. Maybe it's removing social media. Maybe it's if you eliminate the source of temptation, then you've got the power to walk in victory. Are you with me? Forgive us our debts to the same degree that we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. But then he finishes by saying this, but deliver us from evil. Somebody say forgiving. Say following. Say fighting. Deliver us from what? He says deliver us from evil. What does that tell us? Jesus wants you to know you better recognize You are in a war. There's evil that wants to come at you, and some of you know this well. Some of you know this because you're in the middle of a battle right now. Let me tell you something about church. The church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. Man, we're not just on the love boat. Come on, somebody. This is war. Uh, And if you don't realize the heat of the battle, God wants us, hey, pay attention. He says, pay attention to what I'm telling you here. If you follow me, you won't fall into the pit of temptation, but I will deliver you from the evil one. You see, some of you are going through adversity right now. And I want you to hear this. Adversity is simply the enemy's response to your progress. Now, sometimes we create our own storms, and then we get mad at God when it rains, right? But then there's sometimes the enemy comes against us, and it's simply his response to the progress we're making in Christ. This year, you've made some commitments. You've pressed in. You said, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to do some different things this year. Guess what? When you gain ground, somebody else is losing ground. And the enemy of your soul is not going to give up without a fight. I'm here to tell you today, you're in a fight, but you're not alone. You've got the help of your father. You've got something available to you that the world doesn't. See, Jesus, when he started his ministry, think about how he started. He was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil for 40 days. Started his ministry in a fight. How did he finish his ministry? The Garden of Gethsemane. Man, he prayed. Man, such pressure. Man, the, the, the enemy coming against him. Think about the bookends of the ministry of Jesus. It started in a fight. It ended in a fight. And then he tells us in Matthew 16, the very first time the word church is introduced in Scripture, it's in Matthew 16 where Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, the church was birthed in the context of struggle. Jesus knew, hey, there's going to be a battle. 
There's going to be a clash here. We've got light and we've got darkness. We have good and we have evil. Man, I'm telling you, God has given us the power to walk in victory. Regardless of what's coming against us, there's a power on the inside of us. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, sometimes, a little confession, sometimes Trevor and I, we like to watch old LSU football games, especially in the dead of summer. Man, we get football fever. They do the, like, you know, SEC Network puts on some, you know, rewind, some classic games. And so we love watching old LSU football games. And we get up in there, and it's like, man, it's, it's, it's the good stuff. And Rachel will walk in, and she doesn't, she doesn't know that it's a rerun. You know, she, who's winning? You know, well, LSU's down. But Trevor and I are not in a panic. We know they're playing against Auburn. We know that we're not supposed to win. But there's a drive that's coming. Burrow is going to lead us down the field. All right, we're going to get within field goal range. And as time expires, Cole Tracy is going to kick it through the uprights. You know, and Rachel's like, I can't believe you guys are more into this. And we're like, why are we so confident? Because we've seen the outcome. We know how this thing's going to end. Church, I've read the back of the book. I know how this thing ends for you. You say, Mike, it's not good right now. Well, guess what? It ain't over. If it's not good, it's not over because this thing's going to end. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, Jesus is coming back with a shout. You see, when we fight, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Are you with me? You see, this is going to help you this year because you need to know how this thing plays out. When you know who wins in the end, you don't have to panic in the in-between. Come on, are you with me? Some of you are fighting a battle. Let me ask you, how you fighting? How's it going? Say, Mike, oh, man, this year's already starting rough. Some of you may be slipping back into old ways. Some of you have gone back to old friends, and so you're going back to old sins. Come on, somebody. I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let me teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight because what I've accomplished on the cross, paid in full, paid in full, victory is yours. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.